0: Welcome to Gifts from Global Baptists: Stories Engaging Churches in Conversation, a production of the Baptist World Alliance Division on Mission, Evangelism, and Justice. Now here's our host, Tricia miller Mannerin. Thank you, Shannon. Today, we are honored to have the Reverend Dr. Frank Rees of Melbourne, Australia with us. He is a theological teacher who has taught for the last three decades and continues to serve local Baptist churches in Australia. Frank, thanks for being with us today.
1: It's a great pleasure.
0: I know you've done a lot of work on Reformation and Baptist connections. So what do we actually mean by this term, the Reformation? Well, that's a very good question, Trish. Uh, Mostly when we use that term, we're referring to a, a historical movement which began 500 years ago now, and most of us
1: uh, in the Protestant tradition would see it as a great movement of God in history. What was happening at that time was a renewal in scholarship coming out of the Dark Ages into what we call the Renaissance, and a great deal of social change and political realignments within Europe. One of the most significant things that went along with this social change was the creation of the printing press. And with all of those things, significant changes in the life of the churches. It's worth getting some idea of the historical background. At that time, the churches were very closely aligned in their leadership, that is to say, with princes, kings, popes, bishops, all essentially working together to. Manage the societies, the various nation states, and a great collection of them were called the Holy Roman Empire, clearly connecting the societies, the nations with the Catholic Church centred in Rome. At this time, there was also a great deal of unrest, particularly with regard to what we might call exploitation and some corruption within the church and. The political regimes. And some leaders came forward, most noticeably uh, uh, Martin Luther, an Augustinian priest, and they called for change or reform in the church. And famously, Luther wrote out a document with 95 statements on it, 95 theses that are translated as, which he
0: literally nailed to the door of a church calling for change, or reform. And so what were some of those key things that he was asking for as he nailed those 95 theses? One of the very significant things that he was uh, hoping to change was the idea of ministry uh, and whether... Uh, popes and priests alone
1: have any role in the life of the church and particularly uh, what what is the place of ordinary people in the life of the church. Part of the social movement at this time which was beginning but developed further in in the time we now call the Enlightenment, the modern period was the idea that each person is significant in their own right and has freedom and responsibility before God. This develops later on, but the changes in the church at at this time were seeking to give significance to each believer Mm. and at the same time calling each believer to be a believer so that the idea of the church shifts to include the people in a much more significant way. It's worth saying... Of course, that the Reformation was not one thing. This movement developed in a, a, a lot of places, some of them simultaneously, Germany, Switzerland, in Holland or the Netherlands. A little later, um, the reforming of the church in England under Henry VIII, the Scottish Reformation, and fully a 100 years or so later, the Radical or Puritan Reformation, in which Baptist groups and so on emerge and then uh, some of those people uh, uh, migrating to the United States and the development of other parts of the movement there. So a significant thing is uh, in regard to the people. Mm. But might I just add that one of the interesting things is that there were also changes happening within the Catholic Church. So for instance the Jesuit movement which was a movement for uh, scholarship, the renewal of scholarship, and the service of the people. It began at about this uh, at the very same time as well, in the really? early 1500s. And these things were not entirely new in the life of the Church. Back in the 12th century, Bernard of Clairvaux had argued for these kinds of changes
0: in the Catholic Church, but they had been largely lost. Uh, so this call for reform was happening. Mm. So we, we clearly are looking to this 500 year sort of anniversary But as you speak, you're certainly speaking of this notion of a continual call for reform Perhaps it even goes back to the day of Jesus in some ways Though that might be touchy depending on who you're talking to <laughs> a
1: significant thing worth saying that Martin Luther was a Bible teacher and and he wanted to put the Bible into the hands of the people. And one of the very significant things that he did was, was to translate the Bible and Uh, the liturgy of the church into the vernacular, into the language of the people. So Luther and the people who followed him, and so we see it happening famously in uh, England uh, later on, the translation of the Bible into the everyday language of the people. So, for instance, in our tradition, um, we go go back to the King James Version, uh, when the Bible was translated into the everyday language of the people. Luther translated the Bible into everyday German. uh, And with
0: the coming of the printing press, that meant that ordinary people could have a Bible.
1: Mm. Well, they could afford it. People could have a Bible, and if they could learn to read, or could read, then they could read the Bible for themselves. And this was an enormously significant shift. So you no longer had to go to a priest, uh, Find out what the Bible said, or to someone who could read for you. Um, mm. And this was one of the really great changes. As also with praying, people were encouraged uh, to take part in worship in their own languages, not only in Latin. Uh, now, they would have everyday people would have known the meanings of many of the prayers in worship, but they're now included in it, and this was a significant
0: shift. Mm. Mm. So the movement really helped the common person who came to the church and then even beyond with the printing press clearly making the scriptures available to everybody. Um, And so then that also began to reform or transform the notion of ministry and the ability for others to engage in ministry. Yes. Now, we, we shouldn't um, overstate this because Luther certainly did not have the idea that we could do away with the priesthood or the ministry of
1: the pastor as if to say we don't need that anymore. It's not so much pulling that down or, or setting that aside as saying actually there are more ministries than that. Mm. So if you are a baker... That's your vocation. That is your calling from God to be a Christian who is a baker and a baker who is a Christian. And this he developed as the notion of the priesthood of the whole church, all of the believers offering their vocations to God. And that means offering our lives, not only our gathered worship, but who we are and how we live in the community, in our homes, and so on. So this notion of every Christian vocatus, every Christian called Mm. to serve, it doesn't mean everyone has the same ministry. So Luther and the Lutheran Church upheld the priesthood of those who lead worship and the sacraments and so on. He didn't do away with those at
0: all, but he wanted to lift up the ministry of all. So, how, how did Luther deal with this notion of uh, two kingdoms and that idea? How, how does that impact also those days, but then today? Yes. Well, uh, Luther um, obviously needed to make his peace, ultimately, with the church. He, he believed in the church, but hmm. the church of his time,
1: did not receive his um, proposals and eventually he uh, was excommunicated from or um, removed from his position and he formed uh, a movement called the, which became called the Lutheran Movement um, and uh, developed that notion of the, of the church Incidentally, he also uh, accepted the idea that he could marry, and um, (laughs) he loved Kate
0: and had a family life, uh, which was very significant. But to come to your question, it's worth saying something about how Luther prayed. Mm. Uh, He conducted his daily prayers,
1: his daily office, as he had as a priest, which meant that he said his prayers, he read the Bible, and he sang a hymn. But he used to do this standing at the window of his house overlooking the street. And and that says something about his view of the life of the Christian in the world. That our life in the world is not a, an unfortunate thing, but something to which we belong. We belong to the creation God has given us. But that creation needs to be ordered and managed So Luther spoke of the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of the nation state whose responsibility before God is to keep the peace and to maintain order so that commerce and life can continue, but also so that that other kingdom in which the church participates can do its role. So it is, as he put it, as if we belong to two kingdoms a temporary or worldly kingdom which has its rightful place under God and we belong to an eternal kingdom in which our responsibility is to live before God and if you will, live into God so Mm. that when we pass from this earthly kingdom we remain in that kingdom uh, of God. So that two kingdoms idea um, was an important part of the Reformation as well gave gave rise in due course to uh, the radical movements that insisted that the state should not impose itself on the life of the church, the separation of church and state, and so on. We need to say that one of the the difficulties that has happened in between is the development of a kind of pietism which which suggested that Christians opt out of the world, as Mm. it were, or opt out of responsibility for the world. Luther wouldn't have encouraged that, and the Reformation, uh, rightly understood, does not encourage us to abandon the kingdom of the world, as it were, since it is God's creation, but to find appropriate ways, um, which in the 20th century and since we call discipleship, a life of discipleship in the world, Mm. um, and finding that right balance, which is a big issue for us all.
0: Right, right. So it was an issue then, and it continues to be an issue today. Our time is running out, but what does all of this mean for Baptists today in 2017 and, and years to come?
1: Well, there are a number of really significant things. I think we, we need to say how important the Bible is for the life of the Church, mm. and I think we need actually to be biblical people, not just biblicist people who quote verses but people who are actually shaped by the Bible Mm. and our engagement with it. Clearly the ideas of the ministry of all are very important for Baptists. Another really significant thing was that idea of Luther's that that, um, in Latin it was ecclesia semper reformanda, that the church is always in need of reformation uh, or change. Not by us, but by God as the change agent, that the church is always needing to be called back to God and open to where God is leading us. And and in our more
0: recent decades, we've come to realise that that means a greater recognition
1: of the place of the Holy Spirit guiding us in the present, what God has to say to us. Mm. But one further and very important thing to say about the Reformation movement was the stress on the gospel. Yeah. Luther himself was dramatically encountered by the risen Christ and an experience of salvation, which he named as grace. Grace, grace, grace. So he said we are justified sinners.
0: We're always sinners in need of grace, and there is always grace for us. Mm. And a focus on the gospel, which Luther uh, found especially in his study of the letter to the Romans. But a focus on the gospel is always important for Baptists to maintain. That there is
1: grace calling us to discipleship. We don't have to earn that
0: grace, mm.
1: but we live in service of Christ
0: because of that grace. Mm. Amen. Thank you very much, Frank, for your time. Friends, this it's has been a great a- pleasure. Thank you. Friends, this has been a gift from Global Baptists, as we have heard from Reverend Dr. Frank Reese, Chair of the Baptist World Alliance Commission on Baptist Doctrine and Christian Unity. If you know of someone's ministry or mission that you would like to share with the Baptist world, please email us at mej at bwanet.org, mej at Join us next time as we hear another story, a gift from Global Baptists. This podcast was recorded at the office of the Baptist World Alliance in Falls Church, Virginia, in the United States. Music and editing by Pete Cowett. Please visit us at www.bwanet.org.